I'll show you politics in America. Here it is, right here. I think the puppet on the right shares my beliefs. I think the puppet on the left is more to my liking. Hey, wait a minute. There's one guy holding up both puppets. Shut up. Go back to bed, America. Your government is in control. Read my lips. Just send your cash. There has never been so many lies, so much deception. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't anyone notice this? I feel like I'm taking crazy pills. (laughs) Please clap. It's time for the Mike Madison Show, a new breed of conservative talk. Now, here's your host, Mike Madison. Showtime! All right, good morning. Welcome to the Mike Madison Show here at 103.9 WYAB. Thanks for joining me today. I'm somebody who, you know, I exercise, I pay attention to my nutrition. And and the main reason for that is, you know, I I don't want to get old. I think I'm like anybody else. And many of us have had this dream that we would love to go back into a time machine. Now, usually this is a personal thing. You know, we might want to fix something, make a different choice experience our youth again. But I'm in a time machine right now that I'm not particularly enjoying. And if people understand what I'm saying, it apparently is 2001 again. We we are, the, the political climate in the United States is, for those of you who were younger, who were children, and don't have a full comprehension as an adult of what the post 9-11 era was like, you're living in it now. We, this is the Back to the Future 2001, 2002, 2003 edition. And it's, it is absolutely horrific, I've got to say, because I was caught up in the 2001, 2002, 2003 hysteria before I awakened uh, around 2004, 2005. But we are embarked on, when I listen to, and here I am on conservative media, so this is where I'm going to kind of focus my attention. When I listen to a lot of conservative media now, you sound exactly like you did in 2002, 2003. How'd that work out for you? One horrific, tragic event with some suspicious origins, again, I might add. But that led you in this idea of... And I remember at the time, there were people out there saying, well, maybe we should look at this situation. Why are they so mad at us? And what they said at the time was, this is no time to talk. This is no time to explore. We've got plenty of time. Right now, we need to act. And it led us into 20 years of endless war. And what did we accomplish? We overthrew the Taliban in order to give the Taliban back. We overthrew Iraq only to occupy it for 20 years, and I believe we are being chased out of there right now on a rail. Why we're still there, I'm not really sure. 20 years, 20 years of endless war, trillions of dollars of debt, thousands of U.S. troops dead, hundreds of thousands hurt mentally and physically. Millions of people killed and displaced over that 20 years. And what was the lesson we learned from that? Nothing. We learned absolutely nothing. 
As I said, we are we are right back in 2000, 2003 with the exact same mentality, near as I can tell, which is the you're either with us or against us. You're well, excuse me. You're either with us or you're with the terrorists. And this show particularly takes it. I'll, I'll admit, <laughs> it hurts a little. It hurts a little. I thought we were getting somewhere, and now I realize I have done almost seven years of complete futility. Almost seven years of trying to wake people up, especially conservatives, on a conservative radio station, and one day in October, and 95% of conservatives are right back to their 2002 thinking. Because apparently... People never really understood what I was talking about. They never really even understood anti-war. Now I see why I kept saying it was odd to me why I'm the only one that will call myself anti-war. Conservatives feel like, I guess that's a dirty hippie term or something. I would think for a Christian, being anti-war would be like pretty top of the list. But it's because people want to they want to save themselves. They want to be able to support a war at some point. I don't want to. I don't want to commit to be an anti-war, Mike. You know, something's going to happen, and I'm going to want that war. So I don't want to. I don't want to label myself. And and even people who have listened to this show and communicated with me for years are now cheering the new Middle Eastern war because they never really understood this show and its message, and that's on me. I'm not an adequate communicator to, to let people understand. They're all scams. They're all suspicious in their origin. And then the hysteria and propaganda that come after it are always very predictable and very repetitive. But most Americans are just, they're programmed by their parties and their tribes, programmed by the system to fall right back in line. And boy, does it work. We've never seen it work as quickly I think, as we've seen in just the past couple of weeks. I'll throw in a quote of the day here from Dennis Diderot. He said, We swallow greedily any lie that flatters us, but we sip only little by little at a truth we find bitter. And boy, isn't that the truth. So here we are back in 2002. And, and i got to tell you, I am having some problems here. I'm supposed to do a political commentary radio show. But I'm having some problems trying to figure out what the labels are these days. Can somebody help me out? Because I've got liberals and conservatives that are zigzagging all around me for 20 years now. I think I've been pretty darn consistent ever since my awakening, the awakening that has still not taken root with so many people. But the left and the right keep hopping back and forth across the issues while I stand still. Now, I made a big change from pro-war, pro-American empire when I voted for George W. Bush back in 2000 to very anti-war, anti-empire by 2004, 2005 when I realized what a colossal mistake it was for all of us. So I did make that big change back then. But after that, I've been pretty consistent. But when you look at, at the right and the left... They, they, they jump back and forth on censorship. You know, when it came to COVID, the left wants censorship. When it comes to uh, political talk, the left wants uh, censorship. The right fights it. And then suddenly now the right wants it on anything that is anti-Israeli government. Absolutely fine with it. Josh Hawley said uh, Republicans have been just for four or five years now screaming about the FBI and the deep state oppressing. And I'm with you. You're right. 
these bogus investigations and Trump and the January 6th people. And so there was you know, this idea that we need to dismantle these things, defund the FBI, abolish the FBI. These three-letter agencies, they're not our friends. Suddenly, Josh Hawley stands up. I'm sorry, I don't have the quote, an audio of it. But he wants to use the FBI to start investigating these people who are doing these pro-Palestinian rallies. And conservatives will cheer for that. So suddenly they're with the FBI because now they get the power. And I've said this so many times. It's just two nutjob parties wrestling for control of a gun. They want control of the authoritarian mechanisms. It's not that they're trying to get out from under authoritarianism. They just want to control it, both left and right. The left was anti-war. Then they were pro-war when it came to Ukraine. Well, and everything that Barack Obama did when he dropped more bombs in the Middle East than George Bush did. And now some of them are anti-war again. The right was pro-war. Then for about a year, kind of anti-war. Now they're pro-war again. The Republicans will say, well, we, we don't need to have foreign aid because we have problems right here. We need to cut off all this foreign aid. But when it comes to Israel, ah, make an exception there. Foreign aid is just super duper we got to give them what they need. You know, Democrats don't care about protecting our borders, but they think it's completely necessary to control Ukraine's borders, and Republicans rightfully call them out for that. Republicans for the past year have been saying, year and a half have been saying, Ukraine is a border issue, and we should let them sort it out and fix our own border. Until Israel has a border dispute. And then suddenly it's vitally important to U.S. interests that we get involved in a border <laughs> in a border conflict, and fund billions of years to secure a border of another country while ours is still broken. You understand what I'm saying? I'm very, it's very hard for me to kind of pin down. I don't know if I'm criticizing the right or the left, liberals or conservatives, Republicans or Democrats, because their positions change so often, I can't keep up. I need some kind of a guidebook. The left is pro-abortion. But they want to protect the people of Gaza. The right is anti-abortion, but fine with the killing of the people in Gaza. You know, I've, I've talked about it before. The left in this culture of death, I, I, I agree with you. It's just some wackadoodle stuff, sterilizing, mutilating children, pro-abortion. But right now, the right is cheering for this. This is a tweet from a guy called Yakovolf. He's got the picture of an Orthodox uh, Jewish guy, the black hat, the... Uh, the ringlets that come down by the ears. And the person who posted this said, imagine if Putin had said this about Ukraine. But this is, this is a tweet from one of these people that conservatives are tripping over themselves to support right now. He says, flatten everything. Spare no school, no children's hospital, no old age home. Delete their entire gene pool off the face of the earth. I don't know. I, I kind of feel like maybe that qualifies as culture of death. <laughs> You know, the, the right has correctly, for the past, I don't know, what is it now, six, ten years, pointed out the ridiculous overuse of the term racist. You know, anytime you disagree with somebody, anytime you, you disagree with a black, it, it doesn't even matter. It, it doesn't even have to do with race. <laughs> you can get charged with racism immediately. And the left embraces labeling everybody as racist. Now... The right-wing talking heads, the, the air quotes here in the studio, conservative. i, I got to air quote this whole thing. I don't know what conservative and liberal and Republican and Democrat. I can't tell what you—what do you people believe in? 
Because right now, the right-wing talking heads label anybody who disagrees with the Israeli government as an anti-Semite and, to quote Ben Shapiro, a Jew hater. Anti-Semitism is now the new racism, and the right is labeling anybody who disagrees with how Israel treats the Palestinians or this carpet bombing of the open-air prison that is Gaza. Anybody who says that is anti-Semite. I can't believe I didn't pull up the great Seinfeld clip with the crazy Uncle Leo. Somebody overcooks his food. Anti-Semite. <laughs> and so now the two sides have flopped on it. Now the left is saying, I'm not anti-Semitic. I'm just supporting the people of Palestine. Well, this is the bed you made. And here's one of the most most interesting where just the mind scrambling trying to get my hands around what's going on right now the woke left is supporting the palestinians who want nothing to do with wokeness and the anti-woke right is cheering on one of the wokest countries on earth so i gotta tell you i need some kind of a daily memo something you know along the lines of what we are supporting today so i can keep up because I can no longer assume when anything comes out uh, what's right, what's left, what's conservative, what's liberal, what's Republican, what's Democrat, because there's no core beliefs on anything. It's just whatever goes as long as the tribe agrees. If it's 180 degrees from what you said yesterday, uh, that's absolutely fine. So if anybody, can, if maybe you guys get a newsletter. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe there's something, a mailing list I need to get on. Here's what we support today. I need one from the right and from the left. If these things even exist anymore, I really can't tell, so that I can keep up and give informed commentary, know where the, where the targets are. Ah, oh, boy, we are right back, 2002, all over again. I don't know if anybody paid attention to what happened after 2002 for the following 20 years. It wasn't good. Let's not repeat it. I'll be right back. Don't stop me now. I've thought of a couple other hypocrisy things. (laughs) Here's a quote. I I clipped this. Nikki Haley says, this is the Republican, right? Is it it Republican? uh, She's a Republican, right? Uh, Here's what Nikki Haley tweeted out. No more federal money for colleges and universities that allow anti-Semitism to flourish on campus. Now, doesn't this sound a lot like uh, what the left has been saying to anybody who's conservative on campuses? You know, notwithstanding the fact that the U.S. federal government shouldn't be sending any federal money to colleges in the first place. They're state universities or private colleges, and that's the way it should be. But she does not want federal money for anybody who lets anti-Semite, and there we go again, just throw it out there. If people don't agree with the government of Israel, anti-Semite. And it's that's not new, as I like to explain so many times. You know, Republican states, again, my understanding of the past five to ten years has been the Republicans and the right were very free speech, right? 
tired of the censorship, the canceling. Mike, have you seen what's been going on? But it is the red states, Republican states, that have made it illegal to boycott Israel. Now, I say illegal. May, may, I'm not sure if there is actually if there are states that actually enforce a law that could put you into a cage for boycotting Israel. But you definitely cannot, as an American company, in many red states, you can boycott Canada, Mexico, Peru, Switzerland, England, Australia, Russia. Oh, of course, Russia. You can boycott anybody at any time for any reason except in these red states. If you boycott Israel, you can't get a state contract. So again, I, I find myself perplexed. Is the right for free speech or only free speech when it's convenient? And, and here was one of the biggest ones that I saw recently. It was, it was kind of an amazing thing to behold. The reaction on the right to the Palestinian protest at the Capitol building. And people are rightfully pointing out that this this was like January 6th as far as trespassing and occupying the building area and trying to upset what was going on. So I'm with you so far. But now the right, from what I've seen and what I've heard, the right wants them prosecuted just like the January 6th people. Here's one of the numbnuts proposing this. He goes by the name on social media of Deuce Boogaloo. So I guess he's a Boogaloo boy. He says, uh, no, we want equal treatment under the law. January 6ers got the book thrown at them. I do want the same for these people because that would be equal treatment under the law. The only way, now listen to this, the only way these people will learn not to put the boot on others is if the boot is put on them. Well, he kind of negates his whole logic there, doesn't he? Because the boot was put on him and he wants to put it on somebody else. He says it's the only way people will learn. Well, he didn't learn. So instead of the right saying, see, they get away with it. We should have gotten away with it. And no, you want them held to the same account. This is the same sick mentality where people get robbed of a third of their income, a half of their income every year in taxes. And when somebody doesn't pay taxes, they go, get him. <laughs> the government steals from me, rapes me. I want them to rape him, too. So I, 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 I don't know. What it is? Are you are you for the Capitol Police and the federal government coming down on protesters on January sixth and the recent things or not? But this is how it always happens. You know, well, an injustice is done to one group on America, and instead of standing on principle and saying the persecution was wrong and it should never be done, and even if my enemies do it, you know what happened to the I may disagree with what you say, but I'll fight to the death for your right to say it. That's gone. I'm, I disagree with what you say, and I hope the power of the federal government that was used against me is used against you, too. That's, that's where we are now. Speaking of hypocrisy, nobody has been cheering for really what is the kickoff, just the opening act to World War III. I don't know if people are paying attention. You will. They, uh, I saw headlines that said that they were mass evacuations of people from the Middle East, not from Gaza. We're talking about from Jordan, from Syria, from Iraq, from everywhere. Like this whole thing is about to blow up. I saw that we have the largest NATO deployment of ships to the Mediterranean ever. I can't verify either one of those things, but it, it feels kind of serious now. So you may get your bloodlust satisfied momentarily by the carpet bombing of Gaza. 
But it's not going to end there if it continues. But speaking of hypocrisy, Ben Shapiro leading the charge in this war. And look, that's fine. Ben Shapiro's a, a, a Jewish guy. He's an Israel first guy. That's absolutely fine. What, what I don't understand is why everybody's following him. Not everybody. You understand what I'm saying. The movement. The movement on the right is following him. But this was kind of funny. 30-second clip. Just to hear, uh, this, these are two different speeches. You'll recognize which speech ends and the, and the new one starts. These myths matter. Israel is historically Jewish territory. According to the Bible and certain interpretations of contemporaneous archaeology, Joshua entered the land of Israel in 1400 BC. The Kingdom of David was founded around 1000 BC. The first Temple of Solomon was built in approximately 957 BC. They talk about the USS Liberty incident. I have to say I'm a little bit bewildered why you're so obsessed with an incident that is now 52 years old. <laughs> we need to remember what happened 2,000 years ago, but not 50 years ago. Not, not, don't pay attention to the USS Liberty. That's ancient history. But listen to ancient history. Can you see why I'm so confused? I'll do my segment again here. Is it just me? <laughs> Am I the only one? Really, I, I, I cannot keep up with what we're doing here. Are we paying attention to history? Not paying attention to history. <laughs> Are we for censorship or against censorship? Are we for war or against war? Jake Shields, he's a, he's a UFC fighter, a conservative guy. I think he's a Trump guy. He says, it's amazing how fast America first Republicans turned into Israel first Republicans. You know, I was I was talking to my son, and it was interesting. He he thinks that young people are not buying Biden's crap, like the older people are. And and you know, I think that's true. I think I've got some statistics down here in my show notes that younger people are not down with this. But you know, he he thinks maybe this won't last very long because the war crimes that Israel is committing right now are. They're going to be seen by everybody. Some of this stuff, very hard to ignore. As egregious and disgusting and despicable as the Hamas attack was, this reaction to it feels a little overboard, doesn't it? In some ways, you can admit it to yourself. Talk radio, I'm just talking to you. You're not in front of your tribe. Doesn't it feel maybe a little overly? But, you know, he he, he thought... You know, if, if this thing starts to look like an actual genocide and people see it... Um, it, it won't last long. But see, here's, here's what I think the problem is. The genocide phase won't, won't last long. It'll probably be pretty short-lived. If this continues as it's been going, if Israel actually invades Gaza and even more death and more pictures of babies are, are killed, more Christian churches are bombed, uh, Hezbollah is going to enter the fight. And then by extension, Iran and maybe Lebanon and Jordan, which could bring in the Chinese and the Russians. I mean, this, this could blow, blow up into a real war. And then people will forget all about the genocide. See, there's just a very short window to look at what's going on and say, this is wrong. We're not going to fund it. We're not going to participate in it. This is wrong. What happened to Israel was horrific. They should hunt down the people who perpetrated that thing and execute them or jail them immediately. No, I don't think anybody has a problem with that. But that's not what we're doing. Uh, the reaction to this thing is going to make things com much worse. And then when the wider war kicks off, nobody's going to remember the genocide. Because they're going to be fighting a real war. Not just dropping bombs on the heads of kids. People will forget all about that. But a huge war with many countries involved.
And of course, America will be called into the fight. Ships, troops, trillions of dollars will be shipped over to the Middle East again. And my son said, well, I just don't, I, even with a wider war, he said, I don't think there's an appetite for, for war anymore. And I agreed, except you can change that in a single day. And here's what I told him. Just wait until three car bombs go off in America. That's all it would take. It might only take one. But just imagine that three very close or maybe on the same day, something that could be kicked off by the evil people behind the scenes very, very easily. They would immediately blame Hamas or the Palestinian people or Muslims. It would take three car bombs. It cost them about what? What with a thousand dollars? $1,000, drop a car in a public area, blow up a bomb, boom. Americans are with thirst for war. False flag or not, it would only take a few, a few events, and 90% of the people out of fear will go along with anything. Man, I need to go. I, during the break, I may go find the Herman Goering uh, quote. But I also have quotes from a couple of presidents here. If anybody is still struggling with what they should, how they should view what is going on right now, and you think it's, it's somehow betraying America or left-winging to to support, you know, the Palestinian people. I hear people all the time say, "Yo, I saw that they had a Palestinian march, but let's just be honest, that's a pro-Hamas march." Really? Are you a, are you a, a Russia stooge? When you were against the Ukraine war, you remember when the left used to say, that's because you're a tool of Putin? You couldn't possibly have a problem with the fact that hundreds of thousands of troops over there are dying, that innocent Ukrainians, innocent Russians are going to die in this. You remember how they immediately said, that's because you're a red agent from the Soviet Union reconstituted under the evil Vladimir Putin. You remember how stupid that was when they said it? Well, now people are saying the same thing about anybody who who stands with Palestinians that have rightfully been abused. And again, this is the same in this country, these people on the right who rightfully have seen you've been canceled, you've been jailed for January 6th, you're under attack by your own government. You are the freedom fighters here. But heaven forbid the freedom fighters be half a world away and have a different color skin and Lindsey Graham says they're no good and you don't think they're freedom fighters. You think they're dastardly terrorists. It would be very interesting. I know we have gotten back to the future, jumped in our time machine, and ended up in 2002. I'd like to go back to 1774. And if the mainstream media somehow, or if the, <laughs> if the conservative talking heads were loyal to the crown, they would call the, the revolutionaries in this country terrorists, right? Wouldn't they? They weren't going along with the plan. They were peacefully protesting. They were dumping tea in there. And then eventually they kicked some stuff off. They were tired of being under the heel of England. Oh, those are patriotic Americans. But in other countries, when people fight against oppression and occupation, it's very interesting. Somebody did a great clip of it. Boy, I wish I'd kept it. But it, it was comparing how the media treats people in different parts of the world. You know, I think it was uh, one of the things in Malaysia, they had some kind of a dictator that I guess we didn't like. And so when the people fought and threw rocks at the police, they called them freedom fighters. And there was another country that they listed, another one, where was, you know, all the time the media was cheering on these poor, oppressed people that were throwing rocks at cops and, 
uh, at the army and resisting and getting arrested and everything, and they talked about their struggle for freedom. But as soon as a Palestinian throws a rock in the, almost the exact same situation, they're being oppressed, they're called a terrorist. <laughs> so the media gets to pick and choose who's, who's glorified and who's not. But I've got a couple of people to listen to here, and I think this is kind of interesting. I think I'm going to, I'm going to line these clips up well. If you're still considering what you're supporting, and many people aren't, they've already decided. They, it, it only took about, you know, what I imagine happens is an attack like that happens to Israel, and of course all of us recoil against that. It's just disgusting. I immediately went, how in the world did they pull that off? That kind of stinks. And so it doesn't take long for me to start smelling a rat. But it was absolutely horrific for any of the innocent people that were killed when Hamas attacked. But I would imagine there's a lot of people that started looking around going, okay, which side of this am I supposed to be on? And they took to social media and they tuned into conservative radio and I guess liberal radio if there is something to get their marching orders. Because they don't have the core beliefs to really look at something and say, well, this was really bad, but a really horrific genocidal reaction to it, that would be equally bad too. See, that's not, that doesn't sell. You got to be on one. We got to have the good guy versus bad guy always. So, anyway, let, let me take a break. <laughs> As you could tell, I can go on and on about this stuff. Uh, I'll take a quick break and come back with a couple of clips that I think are worth listening to. Stick around. <laughs> We are back. This is the Mike Madison Show, 103.9 WYAB. There's a couple of talking points that I keep hearing that, you know, uh, one of them is, I've had people raise this with me. Well, Mike, Israel's one of the only democracies in that part of the world. And I say, and? What does that even really mean? What does that matter? To what benefit is it to us that there is a democracy in a part of the world over there? I mean, it's pretty easy to say, and, you know, democracy is better than totalitarianism. But what, what exactly about having a democracy in that part of the world is worth fighting for? I'm just curious. That's just, that's a kind of an interesting one to me. But the other one that's, that I find fascinating is the, well, Mike, the Israelis have made every effort in the world for peace, and the Palestinians won't take any of it. Now, this is a very big one, a very, very big one, because it, the idea is that it is the Palestinians that are intransigent, that they want to kill every single Jew, and they will settle for nothing less. Well, let's listen to a couple of people who have actually tried to negotiate these deals. Uh, first one is Jimmy Carter. <laughs> you hang on a second. Mike, that's Jimmy Carter. Well, let's listen to what he has to say. And then I'll play another one of these people that's also negotiated with them. I think more than any other episode or incident or situation on Earth, this is the most uh, directly uh, affecting adversely America in not bringing peace to Israel and, and justice and peace to the Palestinians, yes. Can, because, any, can any, I mean, you, you obviously were very successful in bringing peace with yes. Israel and Egypt. Can any deal be done? that doesn't involve sitting across a table with Hamas? I've met several times with Hamas leadership, 
and I think they are willing to accept Israel to exist peacefully within the 67 borders or some modification of those borders. Uh, but the first step has to be to bring Hamas and Fatah together so they can have another honest election. That is a major uh, premise, and I think the 67 borders between the two with some modifications uh, will lead to a two-state solution. Uh, Netanyahu now, I believe, has decided unequivocally to move to a one-state solution, which every one of his pre predecessors in the prime ministership have condemned as a disaster for Israel. And I think Israel is now moving toward a disaster for itself and insisting that all the way from the Jordan River to the, to the Mediterranean Sea has to be Israeli controlled. That is a mistake. Now, that was in 2013. Oh, Mike, that's, that's that Jimmy Carter, that Democrat. Well, listen to him. All right, so we got one other guy here that uh, attempted to do some negotiation, too. Let's, let's get his take on things. I was disappointed in BB, just on a personal basis, when we have an election that it was a rigged election, like a third world country election. Sure. I think it's a terrible personal trait. I haven't spoken to him since, right? I, I didn't talk to him. Yeah. I thought he wanted to make a deal more than Netanyahu. And I, I will be honest, uh, I had a great meeting with him, Abbas, right? I had a great meeting with him, and we spent a lot of time together, talked about many things, and it was almost like a father. I mean, you know, he was so nice, couldn't have been nicer. And after meeting with Bibi for three minutes, I looked at him and said, you don't want to make a deal, do you? And he said, well, uh, uh, uh. And the fact is, I don't think Bibi ever wanted to make a deal. Why? I thought the Palestinians were impossible, and the, the Israelis would do anything to make peace and a deal. I found that not to be true. Huh. Huh. This is, I, I don't hear a lot of that on conservative media. From, from kind of the, the head of the conservative movement. Donald Trump explaining to you, he met with, Hama, uh, with Hamas. And he was talking about Abbas, the leader of the Palestinians. He said he found him to be very kind and very willing to make a deal, wanted peace. But it was Netanyahu and the Israeli government. He said he knew in three minutes Netanyahu didn't want a deal. This is the same Netanyahu, by the way, who has been paraded out, I don't know, for a while there was about every six months in front of the U.N. or other big globalist groups. You do understand that Israeli, uh, the, it's a big global, it's a, it's a big globalist country. I don't have any problems with the, with the Jewish people, with the Israeli citizens, but their government, about as globalist as it gets. But Netanyahu would trot out and say, Iran is six weeks away from a nuclear weapon. He did this about every six months from 1991 until today. Sometimes with even little cartoon charts of a bomb, you know, that it was, it was so close. He's lied to you on so many occasions. But isn't that interesting? The funny thing is, or it's not funny, it's sad. The people who use that talking point, look, this is all the Palestinians' fault. These Muslims want to kill all Jews. They will never accept peace. I, I said this in a show the other day before. You know the power dynamic between the Palestinian people and the government of Israel, right? The government of Israel has everything. They've got the military, they've got the water, they've got the food, they've got the medicine, and they've got the electricity. 
do you really believe that when Israel proposes something to the Palestinians that it's a real even-steven deal? Because the Palestinians have basically no power whatsoever. So next time you hear this talking point, I wonder if anybody would ever challenge it. Like with one of your buddies and go, well, you know, wait a minute. See, because I know how hard that is. I remember back in 2004, 2005 when I was when I was really understanding how bad these wars were and how bad George Bush was for the world. And, and people would say, you know, I don't even, I, I've got stories about conversations I had, but I would say things like, you, you really think this makes sense? Well, we got to do something. Every Muslim wants to kill every one of us as the infidel. I said, really? How do you, how do you know that? You know a lot of Muslims? A lot of Muslims threatened you during your life? No. No, the government told me. Mike, the government told me. The media has told me. The warmongers and the war profiteers have told me we need to commit troops halfway around the world to fight them over there so we don't have to fight them over here. How'd that work out for you? 20 years. Well, I love that clip. And the funny thing is, is that Bibi Netanyahu, by recognizing Joe Biden after that election so quickly, <laughs> he pissed Donald Trump off. He really did. So Trump is willing to actually tell kind of behind the curtain stuff. Israel didn't want a deal. Benjamin Netanyahu doesn't want a deal. He wants to eradicate the Palestinian people. And unfortunately, right now, there's a lot of people out there, some of you listening right now, that are cheering him on. Be right back. Final segment for today. You can go back to your regular, <laughs> to your your regular programming. Oh boy, uh, I wanted to play this clip. If you kind of wonder, if if you want to know what you're supporting, yeah, Thomas Jefferson was he the one who said, "Peace and commerce among all men and among all nations, entangling alliances with none." Well, this this knee jerk reaction to say you are going to support this foreign government no matter what they do is exactly like the left saying the same thing about Ukraine. Doesn't matter how corrupt they are. Doesn't matter they've got Nazis in their in their army. We're supporting Ukraine no matter what. It doesn't matter that they bombed uh, innocent ethnic Russians in their own country. It doesn't matter that they've closed opposition, I mean, shut down opposition parties, opposition media in Ukraine. We support them no matter what, as long as it takes. Well, the right has there, no matter what, as long as it takes with Israel. This is a member, it just so that you know what you're getting into and, and what side you're on. I'm telling you, these sides, <laughs> they get a little convoluted. You may not know what you're supporting. This is a mere white man. He's a member of Israel's ruling Likud party run by Netanyahu, I believe. This is him on RT. I want you to listen to what his plans are once this, once this flattening of Gaza is over. Expect that I understand you're on the Russian payroll, and I understand this is a Russian propaganda, but you have to be very careful because let me tell you, we're going to finish this war. We're going to win because we're stronger. After this, Russia will pay the price. Believe me, Russia will, Russia pay, will pay the, the price. price. Russia is supporting the enemies of Israel. Russia is supporting Nazi people who want to commit genocide on us. And just Russia will pay the price. Russia. He, he's actually pointing his finger at the presenter as he does this. So see, once you get your victory in Gaza over Hamas, oh, we got to go after Russia next. Also, 
Now, let me listen to me very carefully. We are going to finish with these Nazis. We're going to win this war. It's going to take the time it's going to take, but we're going to win this war. Afterwards, we're not forgetting what you are doing. We're not forgetting. We will come. We will make sure that Ukraine wins. We will make sure that you pay the price for what you have done. You as Russia and you and as all the enemies of Israel and you as all the people who are now making everything they can to support genocide of the Jews in Israel. We are not forgetting. We are not forgetting. Remember exactly what I'm saying now. You will pay the price. Amir, I think it's safe to say that this is a very passionate conflict that is happening here. Well, people have been massacred. My people has been slaughtered by your proxies and you will pay the price. Is it clear? Believe no. me, you no, will I, I don't, I don't actually you think it is clear. Very, very, very sternly. I don't think it is clear, Mr. Weifman, and I think, and I would well, suggest, well, then it should be in the clear. future, it should be clear. As, it being, be as clear. being a politician, it be as being a be politician, clear. it should be clear to you because you have to understand that actions have got consequences, and when people support murder of Jews, people pay the price. This is true in Gaza. This is true everywhere else. The time that Jews actually uh, uh, have no power to defend themselves is done. Is gone. And people will now have to bear the consequences of them supporting genocidal Nazis who are out to exterminate Jews. All right. So there you go. You're going to have to flip-flop on the Ukraine war, too, once this thing's over, because they're coming for the Russians next. Again, that's not some, that's not some Israeli citizen. That's not some weirdo. That's a member of the ruling Likud party in Israel. When they get done with this one, Russia's in their sights next. And we know they can't do anything without us. Right. So I don't know. It's going to be a little difficult to pick and choose your wars going forward. That's all the time I got. I'll see you next time. Bye bye.